Hello everyone and welcome to Pausable Paw Talk Podcast. This is Melissa Schrader and I am one of the trainers at Pausable Angels and we are currently going through a series of breaking down the different breeds and then what characteristics those breeds come with that may affect their behavior. In our last episode, we talked about dogs in general and how characteristics of dogs can affect their behavior just from the species and what they were bred for in general. And now we're going to look more closely at specific grouping of breeds and what that looks like when you have one of those dogs at home. So today we're going to tackle the sporting group of dogs. And those dogs are your Spaniels, your Pointers, your Retrievers, so like your Chesapeake Bay Retriever, your Golden Retriever, Lab Retriever, Flat Coat Retriever. Then we're doing Setters, Vizlas, Weimariners, and there's a couple more really exotic type dogs in there, but those are kind of the main ones. And so let's talk a little bit about what these dogs were bred for and what their origins are. So these dogs are bred to hunt and they're bred to hunt specifically in partnership with the human hunter. So there are specific type of sporting dogs that locate different game. So those are more your pointers and your setters and they do this by scent. So they will locate by either setting or by pointing with their nose or their tail. Um, There's another group in this sporting group that will move game, so they'll flush them out so that way they go into the sky, and that way a hunter can then shoot them down, and that would be your spaniels. And then the other group is a group that fetches the game once it's been shot down, and those are your retrievers. So they will fetch it whether it falls in water, land, trees, forest, whatever avenue it is, the dogs will retrieve it. So these dogs, by their definition, now once again, as we talked about in the last podcast, we are making general assumptions here. That's not to say that your dog, if you have a sporting group dog, is going to fit in each one of these, but this is in general the characteristics that all of these share. Now, your specific dog and your specific type of dog, whether it's a pointer, a setter, a spaniel, or a retriever, will have its own additional characteristics broken down even further. So I do encourage you to get on the AKC website. And if you look under dog breeds and then the sporting group, it will break it down for you and it lists all the different breeds and what specific characteristically to that breed. So it's a great resource to go ahead and get on um, that website so you can see exactly what maybe your dog is. Now, if you have a mixed dog, once again, your dog may have some of these in it. Um, There are some dogs who will do all of it. They've been crossbred to not only point or not only flush out, but to also retrieve once the game is down. But in general, the sporting group of dogs are very active and alert. They're just naturally very active dogs. They're very energetic. So this type of dog or this grouping of dogs, they need a lot of exercise. And if they don't get that exercise, they tend to be very hyperactive and destructive. This group is also very people-oriented, so because they were bred to work in tandem in partnership with humans, 
They are very responsive to people. So this can actually have them be great companions. This makes them great companions with others. They are easy to train. They have a lot of natural instincts that you can build upon as a trainer, especially if you're wanting this dog to to hunt and to do what it has been bred to do. There's gonna be a lot of natural instincts that you can easily build upon and because they are so people oriented, this breed can be, or this group can be very easy to train. Now these dogs also are known to have a sturdy build. So it doesn't matter if they're big or if they're small, they were bred for strength and their stamina. They're also bred to be very athletic, so they're really good at running, jumping, diving, swimming. These are your dogs that you're gonna see a lot at dog sports, like agility and dock diving, because they're just naturals at it. And they're also known to have protective coats on them. So these coats will insulate them from temperature fluctuations, which is why they love to be in the water, because they don't really get that cold. And their coats also repel water so instead of soaking into them their coats will actually bead the water up and it will roll off the back of their coat now what does this look like in terms of behaviors at home so if a dog is not properly exercised or their breed or their grouping of breeds is not understood very well and their needs aren't being met, then what you will likely see at home is a dog that has excessive energy. They might be that hyperactive dog that will also lead to destructive behaviors like maybe digging in your yard or chewing on things, shredding things, chewing on your furniture. You might see that they're excessive attention seeking to where you like them, but they're Velcro dogs. They won't leave your side and they're constantly wanting their your hands on them. They constantly are seeking your attention and you don't seem like you can ever get a break. They may pull on leash. They also may lunge and try and chase what they consider game, which might be your squirrels and your bunnies. So these would be very common behaviors that we would see in this kind of group if they're not properly exercised. So let's talk a little bit now about, okay, so now we know what some of the behaviors are, how can we address these and fix these? So to do that, I'm going to refer to a, it's a diagram, but it was developed by Linda Michaels and it's called the hierarchy of needs for a dog. And so the bottom tier of this, you got to think of it as like a triangle. And the bottom tier of this triangle is their biological needs. So these are needs that every dog needs to be ha happy and healthy. And many times when we are seeing behaviors, it's because one of these needs are not being met. So let's talk about biological needs. This would be your very basic needs that every dog needs to survive. So we're looking at food, water, shelter, um, sufficient exercise, sleep, feeling safe and being healthy. So I wanna break each one of these down and let's talk about what this looks like specific to the sporting group. So when we talk about food, 
Now, depending on how active your dog is, if your dog is actively working as a hunting dog, then you may need a higher protein diet because if your dog's expending a lot of exercise and a lot of stamina, they may need that. And if they're not getting that, you may find that they're sluggish or find that they are not um, as behaviorally sound as you would like. Now, for those of you who have sporting group dogs at home, but they are not actively in any sort of sporting or hunting role, then you really wanna watch and don't give them excess amounts of protein because while they need protein, they need a sufficient amount for the exercise they do. So just because your dog is high energy, if they are not expending that energy in terms of you are not exercising them properly, you are going to be going against yourself by getting a high protein food because that pro high protein will give the dog even more energy. So if you've got an already energetic dog and you have no way or you're currently not getting that dog out to meet those exercise requirements and then you're feeding them high protein, so chicken is very high protein, on top of that, you're now increasing their energy, but they have no way to release that energy in productive ways. And this is where you're gonna get your hyperactivity and your chewing. Now we have a whole webinar on nutrition that you can buy from our website at pausableangels.org, and it will dive more into what to look for in dog food and how nutrition can affect behavior. So um, I recommend that you head over there and purchase that webinar. It's very informative. I did it, so of course I'm gonna say it's informative, but um, regardless, it is a good resource for you if you wanna dive more into it because you know, as a behaviorist and as a trainer, we see a lot that nutrition plays a huge role in behavior and a huge role in correcting bad behavior. So that's always a good place to start. They also obviously need water. Now that's a given, but make sure it's fresh water, not just stagnant water. And as we talked about before, they need exercise, but not just exercise, they need sufficient exercise for their breed. And this group, this breeding group, needs very high levels of exercise because they have a lot of stamina and they have a lot of exercise requirements. And if you're not able to provide for those exercise requirements, then this may not be the best breed for your home and situation. So even though these dogs may be small and you think some of them are small, I should say, you may think, well, they'd be great in an apartment because they're so small. You have to remember that while they're small, they're mighty, and they're going to have a lot of exercise requirements. So that's something to really keep in mind that these dogs are going to need an outlet for all that exercise. They obviously are going to need air, which is a given. They're also gonna need sleep. They're going to need a quiet place to wind down after their day is done and they've had their exercise and all their other needs have been met. They're obviously going to need shelter, proper shelter. And for us at Pausable Angels, proper shelter to us is being inside in a temperature controlled environment. We are a force free training, uh, trainers, I should say. Um, and so we'll kind of talk about that a little bit later on. But we do, re we do um, definitely think that shelter involves being inside where the temperature can be controlled. 
safety. The dog being able to feel safe is huge biological need for a dog. Once again, this will circle back to our force-free training methods and why we aren't using punishment and why we don't use forceful training methods because a dog needs to feel safe to really thrive. And if they don't know what to expect from you and you're inconsistent and you yell or hit them, they're not going to feel safe. And then obviously your dog needs to be kept healthy. So that includes making sure they're going to regular vet checkups, that they are getting supplements they need, especially if they're aging. So if you have a dog in this sporting group and they are involved in some sort of sporting type, then getting them on glucosamine, making sure that you are really watching them for any signs of pain, especially as they get older. So if this group is doing a lot of different sporting type things, you may start to see arthritis set in at an earlier age. So that's something to be mindful of because dogs are so good at masking their pain. And so that is something you definitely want to be proactive about and always keep at the kind of tip of your mind there about could your dog be exhibiting some sort of pain. Now the next tier after biological, so one up would be their emotional needs. So once all their biological needs are met, then we have to make sure their emotional needs are met. And for all dogs, they need to feel secure, which we just talked about in terms of feeling safe. They need to feel loved. They need to trust you. They need to feel that there is some loving leadership in the home and consistency. Now let's talk about, once again, our sporting group here. So our sporting group was bred to work very closely with humans. So them, this group is going to be even more about needing that human companionship and needing that leadership. And when I talk about leadership, I'm not talking about dominance. I'm talking about loving leadership, showing them what needs to be done, coaching them, teaching them in a kind way. Because that's what this dog was bred to do. This dog was bred to look to the human partner for direction. And if they don't get that direction, they will decide on their own what the next step should be. And a lot of times dogs do not make the best choices. So the sporting breed really does want that companionship, wants that love. They're not a good dog that you will just go hunting with and then go keep out in a kennel away from all human contact. That, dog, that will not be good for that dog. These dogs love this human companionship. They love this close bond with their humans, which brings us to that next tier. So after their biological needs are met, their emotional needs are met. Now we need to make sure their social needs are met and that's bonding with their people, bonding with other dogs and playing. So we need to make sure that there's that bond happening. And if a dog is out in a kennel and is not being incorporated into your family, then that dog is not really bonding with anyone. If you have other dogs in the home and some of them are inside, but that dog is outside, likewise, it's not getting to bond and play with other dogs. And dogs are social creatures. They always have been. Um, you know, you think back, like we talked about on our first podcast, they descended from gray wolves and wolves had a whole social structure in place. So they are social creatures at their core roots. And then you take into consideration that humans came in and bred them to be even more social. Now we've created this dog who has these great social needs and we have to make sure we're meeting them. 
The next tier up from that is our force free training. So all dogs need their minds worked, which is our last tier, but all dogs, they are gonna need to be taught. So when we say training, that's just teaching them. You know, when we say training, we're not talking dominance. We're not talking um, being strict or mean. We're talking about coaching and teaching them what they need. And that is where possible angels can come in and help you. We are force-free trainers. So if there is some additional training your dog needs, give us a call, reach out to us. We can help because that's that's what we are. We take in part of our mission of our organization is this hierarchy of needs and it's specifically force free training. So we have taken an oath to be force free trainers. And then the last tier at the very top of our triangle is the dog's cognitive needs. So this is their need to make choices, their needs to problem solve. Because as we talked about in our first podcast, everything is given to our dogs. They, from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep, it's provided. Now let's think about our sporting group here. So they were bred to be out and to make decisions. They were bred, so for those um, locating dogs, they use their sense of smell to locate and point. That's how they would point or set to locate the game. But they had to make the decisions of, how do I do this? Do I follow this trail here? Do I follow this trail there? It wasn't a human being like, come over here, come over there. Nope, go over here. They let the dog do its job. They let the dog make its own choices. And today we tend to over um, manipulate our dogs. We tend to micromanage our dogs. Every little move they make, we're constantly telling them yes, no, and and we're telling them what to do. So we're creating these very dependent dogs who are looking at us for everything, they're becoming codependent. And while we enjoy our dogs looking to us for some direction, what we don't want to create is codependent dogs. So obviously the sporting group was bred to be more independent, to do what they're supposed to do in partnership with their human, but they had a job to do and the humans had a job to do and they work together. And that's how your training should be with these dogs with all dogs honestly but to each have your own roles each have your own jobs and let each other do your jobs don't micromanage don't take away the choices of the dogs now obviously out in the field there would be natural good and bad consequences based off of the choices the dog made so if the dog decided that it was going to flush game out too quickly then what would happen as a natural consequence is if the dog just got over exuberant and didn't wait for that partnership, that command to go flush out the game and the hunter wasn't ready and the dog flushed out these birds and the hunter didn't have their gun loaded, the dog would miss out on being able then to then retrieve that game or to see that to completion. And that would be a natural almost punishment for the dog. However, if the dog waited for that specific cue and the hunter was able to shoot that game down and the dog could then go get the game, that is very reinforcing to the dog. Woohoo, I did it! So when they are able to make choices, there are natural consequences for those good and bad. 
dogs need to be able to problem solve. They need to be able to use their minds. And you know, like I said, we do a lot for our dogs and make every choice for them. We, we tell them when they're gonna eat, when they're gonna sleep, when they are going to play, when they're not gonna play. And we need to really encourage our dogs to be problem solvers. And so for this sporting group, it's not enough just to exercise them. We have to figure out what do they love most? What do they consider exercise? And your sporting breeds, first off, there's a section of them that really depend on their noses and flushing out that game. So playing olfactory or scent motivated games with them would be something they would really enjoy. For retrievers, you know, their job is to retrieve items. So playing a game of fetch with them, throwing it in the water so they can dive in after it or throwing it in the woods so they have to go find it. That's what they would love and it would work their mind. If you had a good fenced in backyard, you could hide, throw it and try and hide it and see if they could go then find the game. They love that kind of stuff. Toys that look like ducks or game or something like that. Um, and then, you know, you've got the ones that flush out and just like the chase of it, like they like to stir things up. That could be a dog that once in a while you just let go chase squirrels in the backyard. Um, or maybe you have a, what's called a flirt pole where they chase around those things. Uh, the It's like a pole that has a furry tail or sometimes you can even do like a stuffed animal that looks like a squirrel or something on the end and they start to chase it and when they get to it you can make it go in the air like it's flushing out birds and you can do this in a way that they have to wait for a command so you 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 tell them to sit and stay and then the pole starts going crazy and then you say okay or whatever you want go get them and as soon as the dog reaches that pool you can make it go in the air and let the dog flush it out so you've got to think what these dogs were bred for and be creative on games that you can come up with to play with your dog if your dog is not actively hunting now if you do have your dog and they do go hunting with you that's enough stimulation if you regularly hunt however a lot of our dogs are just pet dogs. They're just at home. So we have to be creative by knowing their breed, knowing what drives them, what motivates them. That's where you are going to really exercise their brain and their body. So for these hunting breeds, just going on a 20 minute walk, 30 minute walk is not going to satisfy their their needs and it's not going to satisfy their deep emotional instincts that they have so figure out what kind of dog is your dog and what would they most enjoy doing most enjoy finding game most enjoy flushing game out and chasing the game or would they enjoy the retrieving the game and then come up with creative ways that you can play this with them every day just give them that outlet and well, walks are not bad. I'm not saying don't walk with your dog. That is just one very small com component of the exercise that this breeding group is going to need to then behave properly in your home and to have those basic manners and be that good house dog that this group is actually known for. They're known for being very good house dogs and for being very tolerant around children and kids but that's only if they have their needs met first according to what they were bred for and according to what your individual dog needs. 
So if you have any more questions about your specific dog or this breed, please feel free to reach out to us. We do um, home trainings. We don't do group trainings at this point in time, but what we do do is we will do group virtual training. So if you just need some basic obedience, you can go on onto our website at pausableangels.org and sign up for a group obedience class virtually, which means we utilize Google Classrooms as well as Zoom to give you homework assignments, to help facilitate that, answer questions as you're going through. There's pre-recorded videos of how to do everything. And then there's a Zoom call at the very end of the six week class where it's just a big Q&A time. We also do in-person home visits. And we also do in-person or individual, I should say, virtual visits, which it's kind of in-person, but it's over Zoom. So that runs very similar to our group sessions, except it's one-on-one, -on -one, so it can be tailored specifically to your dog. And we will still utilize Google Classrooms, but we give you resources specific to what you need to work on. And then instead of one big Zoom call at the end, we do a Zoom check-in every week, in-person check-in to see how it's going and kind of help facilitate training. So if you are needing some training and any of those interest you, please check us out at pausableangels.org and stay tuned as next week we will introduce another breed group and talk more about that. Have a good day, everyone.